I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep, I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea. The lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451. Hello, I'm Jim Bennett. And I'm Abby Bennett. And this is Dinner Table Politics, and we are snowed in today. We're here on Martin Luther King Day, and are you going to be able to get back down to Provo, do you think? Uh, Only time will tell, I suppose. Only time will tell. You know, every time it snows like this, I always think of my time in Washington, D.C., whenever it snowed there. And whenever there was just a light dusting of snow on the Capitol, the entire city just ground to a halt. And we've already been out shoveling, and there was probably about 18 inches of snow the first thing this morning, and and there's probably about another foot now. This place is a nightmare. This place is a nightmare, but the entire city does not come to a halt when it snows. I wish it did. I never had one snow day growing up. Not one? only thing we had was fifth grade Valentine's Day. We had like a three-hour delay. That was it. I, I think I remember that, actually. Uh, well, if it makes you feel better, I didn't have any snow days growing up either. Of course, I grew up in Southern California. That doesn't make me feel better. Doesn't but make thank it feel you. better. It never snowed. Apparently, it snowed after I moved away. It snowed once, and I remember seeing pictures of people from my old neighborhood in the snow. I'm sure you're excited to hear that. I hate snow so much. I'm in a bad <laughs> mood because of it. I, well, I apologize for that. And so, this is probably going to be published after MLK Day, but. Uh, there, I, there's a lot I want to talk about here. When I used to write editorials for the Deseret News, uh, the Deseret News used to set aside uh, different editorials for special occasions. You right. know, we, we knew Martin Luther King Day was coming up. And so I think on at least two occasions, I, it was my responsibility to write the House editorial for the Deseret News on Martin Luther King Day. And the focus was always on, okay, uh, they'd always take the I have a dream speech and they'd say, how close are we or how far away are we from realizing Martin Luther King's dream? And so I had to uh, figure out different and exciting ways to talk about that. And I came up with two different editorials. One was the fact that Martin Luther King, I don't know if you knew this, Martin Luther King was born on the same day as Anne Frank. Uh, the same day? I thought it was just the same year. Oh, maybe it was the same year. 
I don't think they have the exact same birthday, but yeah, they were born in the same year. And Barbara Walters, I think. And Barbara Walters? Yeah. Boy, Barbara Walters is old. Yeah. So I shouldn't say that. So I, I hope she doesn't <laughs> Take pass. that, Barbara Walters. Take that, Barbara Walters. Well, she, she well, it's better than the alternative, I suppose. Did you know, by the way, that today Fox and Friends ran a graphic about Ruth Bader Ginsburg and it was an obituary? They put up a graphic and they put her death date as 2019. And they had to apologize for that. Yeah, they were all born in 1929. They were all born in 1929. Okay. Well, uh, and talked about the idea that both of them uh, were doing everything they could to sort of strike a blow for human rights. And Frank was? Well, and She was a teenager. She, she didn't know. She was writing a diary and then her dad published it. Right. I don't think that she was doing it purposefully to stick it to the Nazis. I well, think. she wasn't trying to stick it to the Nazis, but she was. the reason why Anne Frank's diary resonates all these years afterward is because she demonstrated the value and the integrity of a human being who was being oppressed because of their religious background and their ethnic background. Yeah. So in that, yeah, I don't think she, I, I think if she had been sort of a crusader, I don't think she would resonate so much so long after her death. But Martin Luther King, the thing that, that I find really remarkable about Martin Luther King is the reason we remember him above other civil rights agitators. Agitators is the wrong word. Agitators. Because he wasn't an agitator, because he believed in nonviolence. And look where that got him, though. Well, yes, but look where it also got the civil rights movement. Uh, if Mar- Mar- the Martin Luther King's example of, of dignity in the face of oppression has been able to give the civil rights movement a face and a voice that gives it, I think, more integrity than it would have had if... if but we remember Martin Luther King more than we remember Malcolm X, for instance. I wouldn't oh. say they're both very famous people. They're both... Yeah, but why don't we have a Malcolm X holiday and why do we have a Martin Luther King holiday? Because the government hated Malcolm X. Well, the government wasn't so fond of Martin Luther King either. But my father always used to talk about the fact that it shows the integrity of the United States that nonviolent protests could succeed. Well, they put him in jail a bunch of times, though. Well, yes, they did. But uh, compare that, for instance, with, say, Tiananmen Square, when you had the pro-democracy protesters in China who were mowed down. Uh, There are recent documents that show that there were tens of thousands of student protesters that were killed. And the government did everything they can. You don't see photos of those. The government squelched it. If Martin Luther King had been doing this kind of protest in a totalitarian state, we wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, we just used batons and high power hoses on nonviolent protesters. Right. I'm not saying that's a great thing. I'm not applauding it. I'm saying we didn't kill him. The government didn't kill him and silence him. There are conspiracy theories that they did. Well, of course there are. James Earl Ray killed him. I don't understand why all assassins have three names. But James Earl Ray, I, 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 did James Earl Ray just die? I think he just died in prison not too long ago. Can I we, don't know. I, I do not care about him at all. No, and we probably... We should not remember him. We should not. We should be remembering Martin Luther King. And you look at the, the history of the Martin Luther King holiday, and to its... He died in 1998. Oh, James <laughs> Earl Ray did? Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we have Google in the middle of a podcast that can give us this kind of information. Uh, well, 1986 is the year that Ronald Reagan signed the bill 
that created the Martin Luther King Day holiday. He didn't want to sign the bill. He was not a fan of Martin Luther King. Nice. The conservatives at the time were really upset that nice. Martin Luther King was a communist or that he associated with communists. And Martin Luther King's personal life was not above reproach. And so a lot of that was part of the problem. And to its everlasting shame, I believe, Utah was the last state to observe uh, Martin Luther King. Utah. Well, we observed, Come on. We observed Human Rights Day. But we wouldn't call it. Mm, mm, mm. Utah's better than. Mm, mm. Oh my oh. gosh! I'm so. <laughs> I'm just mad at the state because it's snowing mostly. Yeah. So this is this is Utah's punishment. You suck, Utah. Oh, don't say you suck, Utah. I'll say it. I don't care. All right. Well. All right. Good for you. I, it's going to snow on you now forevermore as a result of saying that. Gosh. Uh, but Utah in 2000 human rights day. changed Human garbage. Rights Day. To, Only 2000. That's right. What? 19 years ago. Oh, my gosh. And it, and it was still several more years before Utah stopped starting its legislative session on Martin Luther King Day. In that we would celebrate Martin Luther King Day, but the legislature wouldn't. The legislature would begin its legislative session uh, amid a number of protests from people who were saying, you're not respecting the holiday by starting the legislative session. And so they had to change that, too. Why would anyone want to not get a holiday anyways? Yeah, I don't understand that at all. I just remember the Martin Luther King Day I remember the most was in 1994 because I was supposed to go to a church football game that I had organized or supposedly You organized, organized a football game? I was the, I, yeah, I was the ward okay. activities director and I'd organized. Sounds fake, but okay. Well, it was fake because I hadn't done anything about it and it was going to be a total flop. But that was the morning of the Northridge earthquake, and so it got canceled. Oh, you and got so, lucky. So I got really lucky. The earthquake came in. Did that earthquake kill anybody? Am I allowed to yeah, talk about it? Yeah, I think it did. Oh, never mind then. Yeah. That was unlucky. Oh, that was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. You know, you're taught in, in California that when there's an earthquake, you're supposed to stand up and go in, stand in a door in frame. In a door frame. And I was lying in bed. I had a one-room studio in south central los angeles by usc and the earthquake hit and i thought okay this is just too nuts i'm not going to be able to stand up i'm just going to die in bed i'm not going to be able it's to not get... the worst way to die i suppose I, well all my pictures fell off the wall my computer fell off of its of its desk it was really terrifying and it was about 4 30 in the morning so i was in bed and didn't want to get up and stand in a door frame so, death by laziness death by laziness but uh, as we, uh, when we get back from our break, I want to talk about Martin Luther King's legacy and some interesting stories about Martin Luther King that you may not have heard before. All right, so do you know who Nichelle Nichols is? I do not. Nichelle, not Enlighten Michelle. Enlighten me. Nichelle Nichols is the actress who played Lieutenant Uhura on the original Star Trek series. Oh, boy. Yeah, Martin Luther King in Star Trek. It doesn't get any better than this. Uh, Nichelle Nichols was an actress who came to New York, and she wanted to become a Broadway star. And she met Gene Roddenberry and was cast in the Star Trek pilot, or the second Star Trek pilot. They made two of them. The first one didn't have Captain Kirk in it, and they decided it was too cerebral. But they ordered a second one. And the only character that was held over in both pilots was Mr. Spock. But Uhura showed up in the second one, and the pilot got picked up, 
And after the first season, Michelle Nichols said, okay, well, this is great, but this isn't what I came to New York to do. She had had to move to Los Angeles to film the show. And she said, I want to go back to New York and I want to be a Broadway star. And her contract was up after the first year. And so she went to Gene Roddenberry and said that she was going to quit. And Gene Roddenberry was very upset and didn't want her to quit. But didn't matter. She had made up her mind. And right after that, she went to an NAACP fundraiser. And somebody said to her, there's a guy here who really wants to meet you, who's a big fan of yours. And she said, oh, geez, another Trekkie. I don't want to bother with this. And it was <laughs> Can Martin you imagine? Lu- that would be the worst, just constantly having nerds come up to you. Oh, I think it would be wonderful. What a great career. Gosh, no, I wouldn't like it. Oh, I had a teacher that had done two guest spots on the original Star Trek, and he said he still got requests to go to conventions. <laughs> Years and years. I mean, he'd done two days of work on the series. But uh, that's a whole other story altogether. But it's a great story because I came to to school once and I was wearing a Spock t-shirt. And he looked at that and he told me he'd been on Star Trek and he played Landru in Return of the Archons. Do you know what that means? No. No, but I did. And I said, you're Landru. That's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my I, life. I am, have nothing to contribute to this. Well, Maybe the, I should just leave. And well, you can just it's just his line yourself. was, I played every role in the Shakespeare canon, and they're going to write Landru on my tombstone. So that's a, just a great story. If you knew Charles McCauley, you'd be excited. All right, but back to the Uhura story. So Michelle Nichols is at this NAACP fundraiser, and they say there's this Trekkie who wants to meet you, and the Trekkie is Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King is at the fundraiser and says, I'm a big fan. Your show is the only show we let our children watch, to stay up and watch. And Michelle Nichols said, well, I'm planning on leaving. I'm not going to do it. And it was Martin Luther King who said to her, you can't do that. You can't leave this show. Do you realize that you are fourth in command of the Enterprise? And that, which is not true. I think he was wrong. Oh, no. But... I mean, you have Captain Kirk, Mr. Spock, and then Scotty. This is, this is a lot. This, this is a lot so, of Star Trek talk. It's a lot of Star Trek talk, but it, Martin Luther King said to Michelle Nichols, you are giving the future of, of African-American women, uh, you're, you're demonstrating a hopeful future that we're represented in space, in the stars. You have to continue to do this. And so Michelle Nichols stayed with the series for all three seasons and was in all the movies. And it was because of Martin Luther King Jr. So that's a great story, right? How come we don't ever talk about that? You were talking about his I Have a Dream speech when arguably this was... Far more important. (laughs) Just kidding. Far more important. (laughs) Well, whenever you have Star Trek, it's far more important. But the question always is raised, it was always raised when I would write these editorials. Was James Earl Jones a Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan? James Earl Jones was in Star Wars. Oh, no. What's the guy that killed Martin Luther King Jr. then? Oh, James Earl Ray? Oh, my gosh. That's so weird. You're confusing James Earl Jones with James Earl Ray? Uh, Can you blame me? Those are very close names. Well, they both have James and Earl. So, but uh, no, there's quite a lot of difference. This is is a conspiracy in and of itself. Ooh, we're we're really diving deep into something that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But uh, the question always comes up, how close are we to fulfilling Martin Luther King's dream? What's your answer to that question? How close do you think we are? I don't know. This week has been a weird one in terms of racial um, prejudices. Most people have seen the video, you know, of... The kids wearing the MAGA hats in front of the uh, Native American protester earlier this week. Right. You know? Although that, that's a weird story, too, because 
apparently the there's a whole video that shows like black is a group called like black um black Isra- israelites yeah black about- israelites who were yeah. taunting the kids right and then i i haven't seen the full video i just saw the one of the kid just staring down the um one guy who was singing his right well i have Anyways. a statement from that kid oh good because what's interesting is, yeah, that was initially reported as that you had these Native American protesters and they were swarmed by kids in MAGA hats chanting, build that wall. Yeah. And that's not what happened. That's not what happened Still, at all. that kid's face was so punchable. His, <laughs> his expression, oh my gosh, it just like, because, oh, it made me... Well, let's hear from that kid because I I think we need to listen. What's he going to say? Yeah, I did that. Like, I I don't know what. Here's what he says. Here's his statement. I am providing this factual account of what happened on Friday afternoon at the Lincoln Memorial to correct misinformation and outright lies being spread about my family and me. I am the student in the video who was confronted by the Native American protester. I arrived at the Lincoln Memorial at 4.30 p.m. I was told to be there by 5.30 p.m. Blah, 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 blah. It goes on. Talked about the African-American progressors who call us racists, bigots, white crackers, uh, slur for homosexuals, and incest kids. They also taunted an African-American student from my school by telling him that we would harvest his organs. I have no idea what that insult meant, but it was startling to hear. So they go down through this. Um, uh, We were... They were chanting. They says the chants are commonly used at sporting events. They were all positive in nature and sound like what you would hear at any high school. Our chaperone gave us permission to use our school chants. doesn't say what, exactly what the chants were. At no time did I hear any student chant anything other than the spirit chants. I did not witness or hear any student chant build that wall or anything hateful or racist at any time. Uh, the protester, everyone has seen the video, began playing his drum as he waded into the crowd, which parted for him. I did not see anyone trying to block his path. He locked eyes with me and approached me, coming within inches of my face. He played his drum the entire time he was in my face. I never interacted with this protester. I did not speak to him. I did not make any hand gestures or other aggressive moves. To be honest, I was startled and confused as to why he had approached me. And so as it goes on, it becomes very clear... They, they were yelling at them, you stole our land, we should go back to Europe, and all kinds of stuff. I, I don't think, it's again, like he said, she said, uh, you know. Well, except for there is a two-hour video that shows the whole thing. And yeah, nowhere on that but, video do you see build, but chance, still, build but the wall still, why why would you just stare him down? That's such a weird, like, intimidation move. Kind well, what of. else was he supposed to do? Move? I don't, like, Well, I think he did easy. move. No. I, think that, I think you have th- that snippet of video when he actually walked up to his face. I'm not trying to say that anybody is purely innocent in this. Uh, I, I, think, I, I think it just shows that... I, th- I think especially the the Make America Great Again hats just have a certain connotation to them to a lot of people. Yes, they do. Um, also, I think it's weird that all these kids came from the same private Catholic all-boys school in Kansas. Right. And it was a field trip for so that they could march in the pro-life. Yeah. But, which is like, ugh, what kind of well, school is that? That's so well, weird. Well, it's a Catholic school that's pro-life. From Kansas. That's a far away just to come and march like and not... You know, well, that gets into the whole politics of abortion and the fact that the, the Catholic Church and you have a Catholic school. I don't think it's at all surprising that you have Catholic students that are marching on behalf of pro-life. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Catholic schools from around the D.C. area, but to come all the way from Kansas just for a march. Well, 
uh, shows how passionately they felt about the issue. Uh, the March for Life, I think, was not covered at all because, or not covered nearly to the extent that there was support for it. Because I think that that's just such a charged issue, and people don't want to well, demonstrate. Regardless, I think the whole issue, how the internet blew up on both sides, shows that there's still just a ton of racial tension. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, I at the same time. I think whenever we try to focus and we, we try to sort of create clear villains and and clear yeah. heroes and life this, is never that easy. Life is never that easy. Life is never that tidy. And I don't think it's appropriate to vilify these these people for something that they didn't do. They didn't chant build the wall. They didn't go out of their way to surround this native these Native American protesters. And the Native American protester in the video did go out of his way to provoke them. So, I wouldn't say provoke. Well, no, but... Uh, I think everyone should watch the video for themselves and make their own judgments. I, I, think, I think the lesson is that you can't trust anything on the internet. Uh, that's a great lesson. We'll talk more about that when we get back from a break. So you think the lesson is we should never trust what we read on the internet? Yeah, fake see news. On the internet? Fake so, news. It's all fake news. Uh, that's I, I think one of the lessons is that we ought to reserve our social media outrage uh, until all of the facts have come in. Because I think this video went out there, everybody all of a sudden instantly thought, here are a bunch of racist kids beating up on some Native Americans and how terrible is that. Uh, Bill Crystal, who was a big conservative never-Trumper, jumped all over this on Twitter. And when the facts came out that it wasn't as it had been represented, Bill Crystal just quietly took down his tweet and then didn't apologize, didn't say anything. I mean, all of the people that jumped on this are now just quietly sort of fading into the background and not talking about it. And I don't think that's particularly helpful. When, Wait, Billy Crystal? Bill Crystal. Not Billy Crystal. Oh, not not was, when Harry met Sally. I was like, oh, I love him. Bill Crystal. Mike Wazowski. No, not Mike Wazowski. Bill Crystal spells his name with a K. K-R-I-S-T-O-L. Ew, ew, ew. Very different guy. Uh, I'll stick with Billy Crystal. Thanks. Thanks. I actually like Bill Crystal and agree with Bill Crystal largely on on Trump-related issues. But the, the kind of outrage that we see on the Internet instantly whenever something goes on. I, I'm also looking at the Gillette ad. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Have you watched that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not necessarily civil I rights. I liked it. I think I thought it was a great advertisement. And it worked because everyone's talking about Gillette. That's right. I, I, I kind of I have no problem with it. I just kind of feel strange about being lectured about what it takes to be a good man from somebody who's – it, their goal is to make money on razors. I mean, why why is Gillette my moral tutor? Why do I care what Gillette has to say on the subject? I don't know. I, I've, I, there's tons of ads telling women what they should be like. So, well, and I think a I lot of really those care. are. I think I, I just think that's kind of stupid. But the the amount of outrage the ad has sparked doesn't make a lick of sense to me. I don't understand why anybody would be offended by this ad. Yeah, you, or you weren't offended. I, I was not I was not offended. You were not by offended. A thing trying to sell razors. Well, in, in a broader sense, when you start talking about Martin Luther King's legacy, and you talk about he the he had idea a beard of, and also probably used razors. Martin Luther King didn't have a beard. Yeah, he did. He, he had, had like a mustache, a, little mustache. He didn't have a beard. Oh, okay. I guess it didn't. All, Malcolm it did, X had a beard. It didn't go all the way around. It was just a mustache. I don't think so. 
Oh, not, start Googling. Hold, please. But I'm pretty sure. MLKFacialHair.com. One of the things people don't remember, too, is that MLK endorsed George Romney, Mitt Romney's father, for president. What oh. do you think of that? Endorsed um, a Republican. Yeah, he, he mostly just had a mustache. Yes, he did. <laughs> do you remember going and seeing the Martin Luther King... Um, memorial yeah that's that's so cool it if is you get cool. the chance to see it in dc it's really awesome it's like he's coming out of this like unsculpted block of marble this giant thing like yeah it's really cool i loved it it's one of the better memorials i really liked it it's right at the end of the tidal basin we took the paddle boats and went from the the jefferson memorial all the way over to the mlk memorial and you know when you're in dc and you're walking around seeing all the memorials it gets pretty old so saying that I liked it is a big, <laughs> a big deal because I was sick of memorials by the end of that trip. Okay, so we'll, if you would put that as one of your favorite memorials, what would you say was your least favorite memorial? Oh, that you, sounds horrible because then it's going to be like whatever it's memorializing. I'm dissing. Oh, okay. I can tell you what mine is. What? The FDR memorial. I was going to say that actually. Yeah. It, like the water wasn't running around it, so it just looked kind of meh. It, it, it's just. I like. There's a dog on it, though. I liked the. There dog. is a dog. I really liked. Oh, I might have taken. I really liked the dog. Okay. I take it back because of the. Well, dog. the frustrating thing about the FDR memorial is that it goes out of its way to uh, to hide the fact of FDR that FDR was disabled. He's he's sitting down. And he's, he's sitting down. He has down. a blanket over him. Yeah. There's no wheelchairs. There's no mention That's, of any of that. He did that in his real life. He though. did. He did. And so probably it's appropriate that he didn't want to be remembered that way. Which is kind of a bummer because it could have done a lot to further disability rights. But that's neither here nor that's there. That's neither here nor there. But yes. So so we agree on our least favorite memorial. What was your favorite memorial? Was it the MLK memorial? Do you think? Well, I like I like like the Lincoln Memorial just because it's so giant and iconic. You know, it's so iconic. I love the Jefferson Memorial. I like going to the top of the Washington Memorial. That's always Washington fun. Monument. Mo- mo- yeah, Monument. Sorry, that's all right. Well, yes, D.C. But yeah, the memorials get a little bit tiresome. But today, President Trump and Vice President Pence paid a visit, to, a surprise visit to the Martin Luther surprise! King surprise to the Martin Luther King Memorial. And they're being lambasted because they only stayed for two minutes. <laughs> what? And what did they do? I think they just kind of looked around and went, here we are, and this is nice, and then they left. To be fair, that's what most people do. At yeah, I'm moments. just, because I, I read the article saying, they only stayed for two minutes. And I thought, well, what else are they supposed to do? I'm barring some kind of speech. I mean, yeah. if he had prepared some kind of speech, then maybe, or a big rally, but for a surprise visit... There's nothing else to do. You look at it, you go, wow, If he had done a speech or a rally, though, that would have also been something that people would get mad about. They would have said that that was an inappropriate time to do something like that. Because he probably would have just talked about the shutdown and how the Democrats, it's their fault and stuff. That's right. That's right. I, I don't think Martin Luther King's legacy is a good backdrop. For the current political squabbles that we find ourselves in, that doesn't mean we're not going to try and use it for that. No, well, to his credit, he didn't. He didn't try to use it for that, and he didn't try to use that as leverage. I mean, we're still in the shutdown. We're starting to see signs that both sides are are. I mean, President Trump offered a compromise that would allow the Dreamers to stay for an extra three years. The Democrats shot that down, but now we're hearing rumblings that the Democrats are trying to come up with something. And I think the the cheap sort of political stunts on both sides have been ridiculous. Particularly, I think Nancy Pelosi's uh, call to cancel the State of the Union or postpone it. Well, that's her right as Speaker of the House. 
Because well, in order to have the, the State of the Union, you you have to be invited by the Speaker of the House. Right, right. Except the State of the Union, the idea of actually presenting the State of the Union to Congress is a relatively modern invention. Thomas Jefferson just wrote letters. He never appeared. I wish they would get rid of it altogether. It's so boring. Well, it's it's, and it's all, just a it's just a place for it's Republicans and Democrats. You have to stand up or stay sitting and blah blah blah. blah. Right. I, I can remember a few remarkable State of the Unions. Uh, President Bush's George W. Bush's State of the Union in 2002 after 9/11 was a really remarkable moment where everybody was just sort of rallying around the president and there wasn't as much partisan division and that's really the only thing I can remember in my lifetime 9-11 united everybody for a few months and then we were all back to where we were before yeah so but you don't same remember. old song and dance do you remember 9-11 at all no I do not that's all right that's all right you were very <laughs> very young thank you for forgiving me I, no I'm not upset it's not a forgiveness thing but uh, yeah so you you look at the political squabbles of the moment and so many of them are rooted in the broader principles that Martin Luther King was trying to address. Uh, the Democrats are upset at President Trump and the wall because they see the wall as a racist sort of division. Which it kind of is. Uh, I, I would have to agree with you um, to a certain degree. I, I, I think that the, you can be concerned about border security and not be a racist. And we've kind of reached the point where you're not allowed to say that. Yeah, but, that's true. But I don't think that I, it just wouldn't it just wouldn't work, and that's pretty clear. Well, the thing about the thing about the wall that drives me crazy is we have one. We have 641 miles of wall in areas where a physical barrier makes sense, and so additional wall is just a symbolic gesture that isn't actually going to be effective in doing anything. Yeah. And so that's why I think you can uh, apply a racist motivation to it. So when we get back from our break, we're going to sum this all up and tell everybody what this all means. It's going to be great. It's going to be so good. Are you excited? We're going to sum it up so well. All right. Perfect. All right, are you ready to sum it up? I'm ready to sum. All right, sum. Go ahead. Um, You sum first. I think, <laughs> crap, you put me on the spot. I guess, that's, no, well, I didn't give you any direction as to what it is you're summing. Uh, but just, just summing it up, perspective, uh, was Martin Luther King somebody who was uh, lionized in your education as, as you were growing up? Yeah, I remember in high school we had to read um, Letter from a Birmingham Jail, which I still remember, I, it like really stuck out to me. It like really made a, a mark and... I, I don't remember much of the readings I did in high school, but I always remember that because it was so – everyone should read it, I think. Well, I remember making a, a movie for you or with you, but for you really. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was uh, pretty it, much every uh, electronic project I had. But it was it was about women's career. suffrage and you had – is it Sojourner Truth? Yeah. Ain't I a Woman? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you had black women working for suffrage. That was history fair in fifth grade. Is that I think. fifth grade? Yeah. I think I still have that. We should put some of that in the podcast. <laughs> I have your narration on it. You're- yeah, and it lost at state to a freaking project about the guy who invented the TV. So dumb. Oh well, he but he's from Utah. Yeah, and that's why it's that's why it won. Because no. Utahns value the TV over women's lives, I guess. I guess so. I'm still bitter about that, if you can't tell. I I, I, I can, wanted that trophy. I can imagine that. I can imagine that. 
Well, so I think it's very easy to get frustrated when you look at the political mess of the moment and you look at incidents like this misunderstood incident on at the Lincoln Memorial between the Native American protesters and the and the Catholic school students and you look at all that and you go we haven't come anywhere we're nowhere except if you go back even further we've come out of a legacy of slavery where people were enslaved they were property owned by other human beings lynching was just made a federal crime just in the past like three months or so really yeah so that's good Oh my gosh! It took us well, a while. It's not, but... that, it's not that it wasn't a crime; it was a state crime. Murder yeah. has been a, is a state yeah, crime. Yeah, but this is like so. It's a federal element. Now, to it now. yeah, now it has a federal. Element. Okay, I mean, no, it wasn't just allowed. <laughs> people right. weren't just allowed to lynch other people. Well, I, I used to tell my father uh, used was when he, he served in the Senate with Christopher Bond, who was the governor of Missouri. Bond, Christopher Bond, Christopher Bond, Kit Bond. They called him Bond, Kit Bond. Uh, and he was the governor of Missouri in 19, I think it was 1978. Oh boy. What when time. they repealed the extermination order wow. against Mormons. Nice. Yeah. Good, because I was planning my trip to Missouri. So it's it's not legal to kill you anymore. Sweet. So that's nice. So, yeah, we have a very complicated racial legacy. We have a lot of things that I think we, we should be ashamed of and that we shouldn't forget. At the same time, we've made a lot of progress. But, no, not we. We're very white. We well, we're we're very white. Yes, yes. I I mean, I personally can't lay hold to any of Martin Luther King's legacy in my own life. But as a nation, we we as Americans, yeah, uh, have I think come a long way toward toward correcting the errors of the past. We still have a long way to go. Have a very long way to go. There's no question about that. Oh, we're halfway there. I'm not even... Uh, uh, what, you're singing Bon Jovi? Yeah. Mar- it's what Martin Luther King Jr. would have wanted. I don't think so. I don't think he would have sung How bon do Jovi. you know? I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm really well aware of Martin Luther King Jr.'s musical tastes. Actually, I have no idea. I wonder what kind of musical he probably tastes liked he had. The, he probably liked the Star Trek theme song. He probably did. That's very true. So, Star Trek is a great way to end this. So with that in mind, if you are listening to this podcast on the radio, please be sure to subscribe. You can listen to any previous episodes of this podcast on iTunes or at the KSL Podcast Center. Next week, we probably won't talk as much about Star Trek. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But until then, this is Jim Bennett. And I'm Abby Bennett. And we'll see you next time on Dinner Table Politics. 